today we are ready for Colossians chapter 4, our series on Paul's book to the Colossians, his letter to them. Uh, let's bow in prayer before we read the scripture. Father God, we thank you for this day that we could gather here to give thanks to you by reading your word, by studying it. Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would be with us as we read this word and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. These verses here, I feel, give us the final commands for going forward. Paul writes this letter to the Colossians, and the very last part of it, before he, before he thanks them individually, he says, this is what I want you to do. And I believe he points out the three specific things. It starts out with Paul saying, in the first part of the book of Colossians in his letter. He starts out by saying in verse 3, We always pray for you. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he started the letter out. And in verse 9 it says, So we have not stopped praying for you. We're praying for you to have the knowledge of God and the will, of His will and His spiritual wisdom and understanding we always pray for you and we have not stopped praying for you. Now, who is we? Of course, we know this is Paul, but uh, it sounds as if Paul is not the only one here when he is writing the letter to the church in Colossus. Well, it is Timothy. Timothy is there. Uh, he's writing on Timothy's behalf as well. Both uh, apostles. And this is why Paul and Timothy have the authority to say that they are praying for this church, these new believers in the town of Coloss, because they are apostles of Jesus. What, a, what does apostle mean? It means that you have been sent. The word apostle means one who is sent. So Paul and Timothy have been sent to proclaim this gospel message, and they are writing a letter to these people who need the strength and the encouragement and the authority that they speak of on behalf of is from Jesus. They are Jesus' apostles. That is who the we is when it says, we have not stopped praying for you. We always pray for you. Now, who is the you? Well, you obviously as the church of Colossus, God's holy people, people whom have been redeemed by 
the blood of Jesus. Starts out the preacher assuring the church that he is praying for them. But near the end of the letter, in the verses that I read to you at first, in chapter 4, the preacher asks the church to pray for him. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ, and that is why I'm here in chains. It works the same in our church. I pray for you guys. I pray for you. Uh, Sometimes I write your names down. And sometimes I will group you into different categories. Now, uh, don't be nervous about that. Um, The categories are always good, like I will put the men together today. I'll pray for the men and I'll write all their names down and I will pray for them to be uh, strong. Uh, And sometimes I will group uh, folks down to those who uh, travel every day to work and I I will pray for them to be safe on the road. I'll pray for the the women to uh, put up with their men and the women to have the strength to raise their kids while their husbands are at work. And I'll pray for the kids. When I come on, on Wednesdays and I see the, the kids who are in school and, and struggling sometimes and in doing well in school sometimes, I pray for them. It's hard to be a, a teenager. It's hard to be a little kid too. There's a lot of things easy. They don't have to make the money. They don't have to make the big decisions, but there's still a lot of things that are hard about being a kid. I, I enjoyed being a kid, but... I don't know if I would go back if I would had the choice. It's difficult. And so I, I pray for you guys. And when I get the message on our phones, you know, we have the church message, um, I pray instantly because I'll forget if I don't. I get the message and then I just I, I throw up a prayer to God. Well, I get it. I would encourage you to do the same. And I know you guys do. I know it. And I'm so appreciative of you guys praying for me. Like Paul, I continuously want you guys to pray for me. And you uh, help me out so much. I mean, look at me. I'm up here uh, preaching to you guys. And uh, I don't know if that surprises you. And it, I've never had a problem with social anxiety. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily uh, shy, but uh, my thoughts in my mind are sometimes like a box of Legos that haven't been put together yet all shaken up and they don't make any sense and they don't look like anything at all. Somehow I have to put them together and, and maybe that's how my sermons come out. It's a box of Legos that aren't put together yet. But I, I hope at least if you pray for me, then in your minds you'll be able to put it together and understand God's Word. So thank you so much for, for praying for me. Talking to God. This is an important thing. Um so grateful that we can speak to our Creator. That He's uh, not a God who is distant and far away. Not a God who is uh, something that we cannot be attached to, but He's a loving God that we can speak with any seconds of any day. So, what does the preacher specifically ask the church to pray for Him for? 
he's asking the congregation there to also pray for him. And the things he asked for them to pray for him about are the same things that everyone needs prayer for. He asks them to pray that he has an alert mind, a thankful heart, to proclaim the message clearly and to live wisely. So let's just break this prayer thing down. Number one, pray. The verse, uh, second verse says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too. God will give us many opportunities. So devote. devote the, the word devote means to give yourself to to specifically set aside a set time aside to speak with God. Praying is so important in the life of a Christian. In the sixth chapter of Ephesians, Paul tells us to put on every piece of the armor of God so that we will be able to resist the enemy in the times of evil. This scripture is... Uh, one that encourages us to be militant, to live a life as a soldier engaged in spiritual warfare. We put on the belt of truth and the body armor of righteousness and the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and then we take up the sword of the Spirit. Put all that armor on that Ephesians 6 talks about. We put it on and then we are ready for battle. And all this armor is great. It's in God's Word so we know it's good and we know it's right. It is marvelous. But, but listen, if a person has all this armor on but does not pray, then they are like a soldier on the front line of the battle who has all the best weapons, all the latest technology, and they are outfitted so well that they've got it all, but they are not in communication with their commanding officer. Now, of course, that soldier won't last long. Folks, we have got to pray. We have to keep in contact with our commanding officer. Ephesians Chapter 6, of verse 18 says to pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Stay in contact with your commanding officer. You never know what could happen and you don't know when something bad could happen. Jesus says in Mark chapter 13, verse 33, and since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. You know those little um, uh, squirrel um, prairie dog things in Africa? Uh, um, meerkats. Meerkats. They stand up and uh, on their little mound and one of them or two of them is always looking around, his head held high. Well, the rest of his family and his little tribe, uh, they're eating and finding bugs and everything and, and taking care of daily business on their own while one is watching out. And if, if a hawk swoops over or if 
a big snake starts to come, that one watchman will see and he'll um, start telling the others. His chirp will turn from a friendly, you know, everything's okay chirp to one that means danger. Danger, uh, get to safety. Be on guard, stay alert. Now let me show you this verse again, verse 2 of chapter 4, Colossians. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Here we have two things that we need to have. An alert mind and a thankful heart. As far as the alert mind goes, uh, we must pay attention. We must pay attention to what the Lord is doing. You know, He is at work all around us. His plan is in full unfolding in front of our eyes, and it always has been ever since the beginning of creation. We have to guard against the devil. There is a beginning, was a beginning, and there will be an end. And the devil can't stand what God has in store for us in that day. You know, in that day, that day when we are raised up with Jesus. Jesus says, when that day happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven in that day. Now, the devil's not excited about that day if you have given your life to Jesus. He has attempted to assert himself into authority in the past to gain glory for himself. He tried, and that's why God cast him down out of heaven. And ever since then, the devil prowls around like a lion seeking who he may devour. Toby Mack, a Christian um, artist that uh, the kids listen to, he says this, pray without ceasing because Satan is praying without ceasing. Listen closely. The devil has no power over those of us who are in Christ except the power that we allow him to have. Let me say that again. The the devil has no power over those of us who are in Christ except for the power that we allow him to have. And that's why Jesus warns us to stay on guard, to be alert and to pray so that we will not fall into temptation. Jesus himself withdraws for time to pray by himself, even after the temptations of the devil in the wilderness when Jesus went off to pray, he he pulls some time away and he prays. The devil doesn't stop coming after us just because we resisted him once. Now, why do we guard against the devil? Because we don't want him to get us. We don't want him to determine what happens to us eternally. And we don't want him to get others either. And that's why we warn others. We are the watchmen. In the 56th chapter of of Isaiah, God is rebuking the leaders of Israel. And 
Here's why. Um, they have been blind and ignorant and silent. They have given no warning of coming danger, and they're following their own path, and they're being concerned with their own gain. The rebuke is sandwiched between the Scripture speaking of foreigners who want to be part of God's people whom the leaders are ignoring. So it's like folks are wanting to be followers of God at that point. They're coming to them. This is a situation in which we would love to experience. People coming to us saying, hey, how do we be Christians? I want to be Christians. I want to be a part of your fellowship. I want to believe. And yet, in this situation of Isaiah 56, the leaders of, of the, the followers of God at that point are saying, no, they're, they're not paying any attention to those people who are seeking. This is part of being a watchman. Not only do we watch, for those who are ready to attack us, but we need to watch for those who are hungry and seeking the word of the Lord. God calls us to be alert and aware of those of us or of those around us. We are commanded to be the salt and the light to the people who are searching, those who are straying away. We're not to become lazy in the security of our own salvation. Although that can happen, we don't want that. Instead, the gift of our salvation should cause us to have overflowing hearts with thanksgiving, our mouths uh, eager to spread the word of the Lord. We must pray for opportunities. The second point out of this scripture is to proclaim the message clearly. Verse 4, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Now, how do we proclaim this message clearly? How can it be done so that people can understand what it is? Well, I can give you a few tips off the top of my head. Number one, you've got to make good use of your words. Maybe uh, not use too many of them. You know, maybe not speak words at the wrong time. And number two, we can use words that make sense to everyone. Sometimes we talk like, Christians, and that's okay, but uh, maybe a non-Christian doesn't know exactly what we're saying. They don't know they don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Follow Jesus? How? I don't see him physically. So we have to uh, make it clear. If you're at a loss for words. Um, that's not a problem. We have Scripture. Lots, lots, lots of words here. So we don't have to actually make up the words. God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes, everyone who believes. Does a non-believer know what that means? Everyone? That doesn't mean that some 
uh, some will go to heaven and some will go to hell guaranteed. But anyone who believes, believes in your heart, in Jesus, will not perish but have eternal life. Do they know what eternal life is? Have you made that clear to them? Eternal life can be one of two things. It can be very, very, very bad, hell, or it can be very, very, very good, heaven. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Do they know what that means, the non-believer? Oh, sometimes it feels like Christians are only on this world to judge other people But no, that's not what we are about. Our Lord and Savior is here to save the world. And so we are here to proclaim the message clearly that Jesus is here to save the world by what He did on the cross and coming out of the tomb. Now that's that's just an idea, but the Ephesians uh, 6th chapter that we spoke of earlier about having the armor of God, this gives us another dimension of how to clearly proclaim the message. Verses 19 and 20. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. Often, our commitment is something that is enough enough to pull others' interest. If they see how committed we are, how devoted we are in our life to Jesus, then they are more likely to look into it, to want to learn more about Jesus. Colossians chapter 4, verse 18, remember my chains. This is the last verse of the, the uh, letter to the church in Coloss. The last verse, Paul says something that doesn't seem to go along with the rest of it. He's, he's giving a proper ending to a letter. Um, Luke, you know, say hi to him and uh, do this and don't do that. And then he says at the very last, um, here is my greeting in my own handwriting. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. I think that right there, that remember my chains is important. It's as if Paul is saying, this is serious. Take this seriously. Is him saying, I take this so seriously that I'm in jail. I'm in chains right now. I'm in captivity. That's how seriously I take this message that we are to proclaim clearly. And I don't know, but reading this as a new church, thinking if the Apostle Paul believes so much that this is true, that he'll put up with the chains, then this must be a big deal. And that clears a little bit up 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching. Boldness. Paul is not afraid to spread the news. And if he's going to be put in chains for it, then we can do things like say well-chosen words to spread our love to others, spread Jesus' love. Most of us can't say that we've been in chains because of proclaiming the message. I don't know anybody who has been in chains because they were speaking the word of the Lord. But we have other things that we can sacrifice, that we do sacrifice for the Lord that will help us proclaim the message clearly. How about your devotion to uh, gathering with fellow believers on Sunday morning? You know, a lot of your other uh, non-believing friends may say, man, you only have two days in the weekend. Why? Only two days to sleep in. Why do you spend one of them the whole half of the day at church when you only have two days off, but you're devoted to it. You devote that time every week in the fellowship of the believers. Or uh, maybe others might say, why do you go through so much trouble to steer clear of immoral media, of movies that aren't God-honoring or or the opposite of God-honoring? Or or maybe they might say, why do you pray before you eat in the restaurant even when everyone is going to look at you? It's going to cause a scene. Now, maybe we don't have chains and we can't say, by the way, this is how serious the gospel is. I'm in chains. But by the way we live, by the things that we give up and the devotion that we have, will make the message of Christ clearer to others. Paul made it clear that this message is also for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. It's for the people that you like and the people whom you don't like. You have to make it clear that we are not a members exclusive club. Point number three, you need to live wisely. Verses 5 and 6, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Live wisely among non-believers. As Christian soldiers, we are always on duty. But there are different levels of on duty. When you are with your spouse for instance, or a close a brother, a Christian brother or Christian sister. The men have Christian brothers and they can share with them and the women have Christian sisters. When you are in that situation, you are on one level of duty. You, you may let down a lot and you may share some of the most unstable parts of your life. But on the other hand, when you are with your children on a different level of on duty. You need to know that you are leading in everything that you do. 
whether it's good or it's bad. Our children are watching and soaking it up. And likewise, among those who are not believers, you are on a, you are on a different level of on duty. Because in that situation, there are people who need to be saved. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but be wise. How many of us act thoughtlessly sometimes? I know I do. I don't put too much thought in the sum of my actions, the sum of my words, and that's not wise. Verses 11 through 12 of the fourth chapter of Ephesians says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we have instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. Now there is definitely a time to speak up. This verse right here, Paul is saying, Make it a goal to not be a a hellraiser, not be a person who is uh, a gossip or a person who's always causing trouble. Mind your own business and do the Lord's business. And people who are not believers will respect the way you live. So uh, the verse in, in Colossians chapter 4 that says... Uh, Live wisely. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Um, let's pull that apart. Gracious. What does gracious mean? It means to be courteous, to be kind, to be pleasant. Those are things that we like. But there's more to it than that. The kind of gracious that Jesus has for us. The whole forgiveness part and all. That kind of grace. Let our talk be full of that grace. And the verse says attractive. Let our, our talk be attractive. If, if, if you need help in Walmart, because you can't find some, something, you look for someone who's wearing a blue vest. Do they still wear blue vests? I haven't been in Walmart in a while. So you look for someone who has on that kind of, of, of uniform. And you go to them and they can help you out. That blue vest uh, attracts you to them. If you're at a public event, one of those places uh, that happen um, outside and there's thousands of people everywhere and there's an emergency, a situation that you need help, then you go to someone who has on a police officer's uniform. Uh, the radio and the gun and the badge 
you look for it because it attracts you in the time of need. Listen, if someone needs spiritual help, maybe they're at the end of their line, they're going to look for someone who can give them spiritual help. We don't wear vests or uniforms. So we have to show up by the way we live. Our conversation and the wise way we live has to be what attracts others to us in their time of need. The verse in other translations, instead of, instead of gracious and attractive, it says seasoned with salt. Let your conversation be seasoned with salt. Be tasty. Be potent. When you are added to a situation, you make it better. Have an attractive personality. Be wise. Jesus says in Mark chapter 9, verse 50, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Be salty. Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. These are two different extremes. Shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. We, we probably all know someone who is big and strong, but yet very gentle at the same time. We should be like this in our spirits and in how we relate to others. Shrewd as snakes, harmless as doves, as potent as salt to turn any situation into something that is good, is delightful, is effective for changing a life. And we must make the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity that we get to share the gospel news, to give this hope to someone who doesn't already have it. We must pray for those situations. And we must live wisely so that when those situations come up, we'll be able to communicate clearly the good news of salvation. Make the most of every opportunity. So today I want you to make the most of this opportunity right now and here. And I want you to, in a minute, when we bow our heads to pray, to pray for someone someone whom you can be a positive influence on, someone that you can share the gospel news with in a clear way. Make the most of that opportunity. And I pray that not only will we do it in a clear way and a, a tasteful way, but in a bold way, saying that the time may be near. And if you do not choose today, then we don't know when you will have another chance. Make the most of every opportunity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you.